Evil leaves a mark, a dark stain on life itself that echoes death and chaos. When a young girl named Kayako is murdered by her husband, her spirit finds no peace and stays in their house, attaching itself to anyone who dares enter her home. Everyone who crosses that threshold is either horrifically killed or disappears without a trace. In the 2002 Japanese horror classic, Juan, The Grudge. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Kale Luger. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. This week we're jumping back into J-horror, which we haven't ventured into since we tackled the double feature of Audition and Ichi the Killer back in 2020. Today's focus is on Juon the Grudge, the film that is partially responsible for launching a global spotlight on Japanese horror movies, thanks in part to its director Takashi Shimizu, also directing the American remake in 2004. This and Ringu had were kind of in the eye of, the, of a perfect storm that catapulted J-horror into the American spotlight. And as we all know, you're not famous till you're famous in America. And uh, the remakes made people, well, not everybody, some people don't like to read, but a lot of people go back and watch the Japanese originals and, you know, the rest is history. So this movie being so goddamn scary uh, shined a spotlight on a lot of other movies. So we can thank, uh, be thankful for that. Uh, before we get started, I've got a question for you. I think we both recognize a subtle or maybe not so subtle difference in Japanese horror that separates it from other cultures, horror movies. Simply put, what elements in Japanese horror do you think account for why J-horror is so much scarier than most American horror films? I think it's the ability for Japanese to just go not be as afraid to push boundaries. I think in both like just taste and scares. Um, and really, that's something you could apply to the overall Asian market of cinema. Yeah. Um, but Japanese, especially, obviously, with people like Takashi Miike being like one of those well-known international ones. Um, but them just not being afraid to go where they need to go for the story. Um, they don't want to. They don't hold back. They don't believe in censorship. Um, they're willing to not play by the rules of cinema. I mean, you look at a lot of stuff in Japan. A lot of the scares are not punctuated by jump scares that are prevalent in American cinema. It's stuff happening in the background that just happens. You catch it, and you're like, "What the?" F-? And you get an uneasy feeling. There's no jump scare puncturing. You're just an uneasy feeling because you might have caught something in the background. Um, on the case of like audition, you know, Mike is so wonderfully, you know, and shout out to Arrow doing a cell. I was able to pick up their um their copy of it very recently. Same. Um, yeah. 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 I'm very happy to have that in my collection. Um, but you know, he again not playing by the rules of cinema, not being beholden to just it being horror. That first hour of the film is a drama. 100% it's a drama with comedy kind of sprinkled throughout and a very interesting take on toxic masculinity back in the fucking 2000s and Japanese culture, for Christ's sakes. Um, or I'm sorry, in the 90s, because it came on 99. My, my, my bad. Um, and it does all of that before it switches to full-blown horror in its second half and then starts really up in... Um, or really, like, our, people was always when the bag moves, right? When that bag, you see it first move. And again, though, it's a chump scare by what you see, not the fucking sound effect that an American studio would have put in place. And been like, ah, see, you need a jump. It's just like, he lulled you enough that when that bag moves, it fucking surprises you because you're not expecting that movie. And now you're getting that movie. That's exactly what I 
think is the strongest uh, trait of Japanese horror. Japanese filmmakers trust their audience. They trust their audience to understand what this is, to notice little things, to feel what they're supposed to feel, what's echoed by the film itself, not told by like, you know, oh, you should feel scared right now. You should feel sad right now. Like American filmmakers, a lot of what comes out of Hollywood is like fucking, you know, Barney. <laughs> like, you know, I feel sad. Well, why do you feel sad? Like, that's what it feels like sometimes. But foreign uh, cinema is very much like trustful. A lot of cultures are very trustful of their audience to just understand what they went to see and experience it for themselves and take whatever they might take away from it. I like that a lot. And Japanese horror movies, especially, they they don't care if you get too scared. They don't care if you don't understand, like if you don't get it. They're just going to show you something you've never seen before. And yeah. It's either going to work for you or it's not, but it has worked for me every single time I've watched a Japanese horror film. It, sorry, it works. It works every time. And again, like you, like you, you know, we're talking about like they don't. So I don't think it's like they don't care. They just say like this is the movie we're making. You're on board or you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a recent, a more recent one that I've been, but I you need to fucking watch it whenever you have the chance. Um, added to I don't know if you do what I do during this time, but try to watch horror films I haven't seen before. That's something I like to do. Um, so that's something you do. Add it to your list. Talk about Japanese stuff, Austin. If you haven't seen it, you're listening to this episode. Fucking watch it also. Uh, if you don't, tell Austin about it. Um, but it's called One Cut of the Dead. Oh yeah. It it's it's like it starts again. It does exactly what it is. It starts out like one film. And it starts out like a zombie film. You're thinking, well, I've seen this before. I've seen a zombie film before. You know, this came out in 2017. You know, I've seen this before. Before it pulls the fucking rug out from under you and goes, no, this is the movie you're getting. And then it does it again. It pulls it out a second time and goes, no, actually, this is ultimately what we were leading to in the film you're getting. Ooh. And it works. And it's so wonderful on a horror level, on a comedy level. There's comedy and gets thrown in towards later in the film on the celebration of filmmaking um celebrate of indie filmmaking and that's why that's one i strongly encourage uh both of you and austin to check out if you guys love japanese cinema and love stuff that celebrates filmmaking especially that's a film that i i, I cannot recommend enough i watched it recently thanks to the last drive-in on shutter um joe bob showed it um because he tries to show like foreign stuff every so often on the show and that was the one he showed because it's shutter it's a shutter exclusive so it's not leaving that site um and it's yeah it does exactly all that stuff it does it's not afraid to tell the kind of story it wants to tell and push the boundaries of what you can do with cinema it's not afraid to say like look guys this is the you know you know having faith in the audience to go along for this ride that you know they keep changing how they're telling the story but it leads to a wonderful film they and they trust the audience enough to go along for that ride and not question it yeah I think it's, you know, I think a lot of uh, Japanese cinema, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong about this. I don't know this for sure. It just feels like this to me is more filmmaker driven more director driven, writer driven, whereas the bulk of Hollywood is producer driven and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They've never have. They are completely out of touch with audiences. They have been since movies fucking started. And that's why we you know, the jump scare even exists. It's like, people aren't going to know to be scared unless you give them a loud banging noise. And it's like, no, that's not... A, the, the movie should be able to do that without 
telling you like, all right, be scared now. You know, yeah. I think I've said this before, but like I heard somebody once compared um, a jump scare to like a comedian making you laugh by tickling you. Like you didn't earn that laugh. <laughs> so that just, that made perfect sense to me. And I, I think of that every time I see a jump scare. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not saying I have anything like, ultimately against jump scares i do think you can do them pro- i have seen american filmmakers use them properly and they actually work in context of what they're doing yeah. i actually think they work great when it comes to the slasher films because it adds to the fun quality of a slasher of like oh did you jump on that you know what i mean it adds to like that group fun setting that comes when it, that comes to the slasher territory but i have so much more respect for being able to make me jump especially a season horror fan like you know like myself or Josh or like any season horror fan they can make me jump without doing a fucking musical thing it's just something i watched that made me go oh shit like i said like the bag scene in audition you know watching that the first time i didn't know about that i'm just watching going how are we getting to the movie i've heard about for so long and then like that bag mood i remember just going what the like out loud to my tv i was like what the hell yeah that's the thing i noticed too with uh when i was watching juan today I kept audibly going to myself, ah, or like, Ugh. I kept making noises of like reactions of like, because it's just so eerie. And I love that vibe. It's you don't see that in any American production. It's so weird. I can't explain. It's like you're watching something straight out of hell. It's an unearthly feeling that I have never found in an American horror film. And I love it. Like what we uh, speaking of Shudder. We've been following their 101 scariest movie moments of all time countdown they've been doing weekly, which has been fantastic. Mm. And uh, in the first episode, they, uh, spoiler alert, featured a Japanese film called Pulse, which is a pretty uh, acclaimed, creepy ghost movie. I had never seen it. And the scene that they spotlighted scared the absolute shit out of me with no context. I was terrified. I had to turn lights on. I had, a, I had some nightmares. Like it got into my head. Which is a five-minute clip. That is magical. So I, I want to. I've, I've got to find that movie. I've got to watch that movie, and I just know it's going to mess me up. And that's cool, knowing that like I have this entire culture worth, cultures worth of films that can get into my head in a way that American cinema never has. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It and the fun, the great part is that, and that's just the like the creepy stuff. You know what I mean? That's what's the beauty of to me and me foreign cinema in general. That's just the 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 creepy stuff. You mentioned Takashi Miki, Miki Miki, excuse me. Um, but you know the other side of it is you know I know this is more so for me than I know you because I'm just sick and demented like that. Anytime I hear it, it's the most fucked up film ever, I seek it out or I do like I did with the sadness. I watch it and I'm enthralled by it and then buy it the next day. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know the other side of that is that when it comes to um, some they're willing to push the boundaries of good taste. I guess it's the best way to put it. Much more than American cinema, because I'm a I look I hate censorship. I not trying to get political, but I just hate censorship. I'll just blanket statement it. And um, trying to tell me what I can and can't see, and the fact that like things like Itchy the Killer stuff, they say. It's not what you can see. It's almost like him challenging you going, how much can you stomach? How much do you think you can see? And I know it's a lot of foreign, especially Japanese, especially the Asian market, obviously, with things like the sadness, because I know that's not uh, Japanese. They're willing to almost push you to say, like, we're not telling you what you can watch. We're seeing 
How much can you take? How far are you willing to push yourself to see this? Yeah. Censorship. I fucking hate censorship. We, 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 uh, we come to that roadblock a lot on Oscar Sunday. Uh, we've tackled, uh, some Japanese films on there. We did Rashomon, uh, Akira Kurosawa early on. And then we did woman in the dunes, a 1964 psychological horror that really wowed us. But we talked a lot about how across the entire world throughout the, like the forties to the sixties cultures were experimenting with film and they were trying new things and they were, you know, pushing boundaries. And in America, we had a leash on where we were told, you know, you can say this, but don't do this. Don't do this. You can't show that or your film is not coming out. So there was like three decades worth of neutered movies. And mm-hmm. we are so behind on that train because the rest of the world was progressing and we weren't. And that that fucking sucks. So I, I wonder, like, if we the Hayes Code had never happened, where would we be? Would we be in the same level as some of these other cultures in what we are feel what we feel comfortable showing in a movie? I would hope so, because like, you know, again, going going back to like, let's just because it's recent, the sadness, right? Um, you know, yeah, it showed some pretty vile shit. It showed it went there. It showed graphic shit, you know, and obviously because of it made a big, you know, buzz amongst the horror community this year. Um, but what I loved about it so much, other than how fucking beautifully depraved it was. Um, was that it had something to say beyond all that. And that's what's the beauty to me. It's like, for as much as like they're asking you, these guys are saying, like, how much can you stomach? They're also challenging to, be, to look beyond. They're doing me what the core is of me being a horror fan and, you know, outside of horror, a metal fan, right? Um, and that is, can what is, you know, can you look past all this and just see what we're trying to tell you and see what we're saying? And, you know, and like in sadness, beneath all the depravity you're watching on screen. They're asking you, what makes you human? What is your boundary? You know, yeah. what happens when it gets switched off? Do you, are you still going to stay a decent human being? Are you going to give in to your urges? You know, they're asking all these challenging questions. Well, I love a movie that has that vibe of like, you know, come for the fear, stay for the message. That That's great filmmaking where you can use that, you know, vile, freakish shit to tell somebody something they need to hear. And that's, that's, that's great. That's amazing. And, Again, something you just do not see in, in the United States. In Hollywood, a lot horror films are mostly just made like, you know, let's cash in or let's, you know, get some cheap scares. I mean, I'm, sa- I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying a lot of them. Mm. And I just, I like a little bit more substance sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes it's cool to just watch Jason hack up some teenagers. But I do sometimes want, you know, some substance. Yeah. But sometimes, like you said, well, you know, we are also a country where, Psycho's one of Psycho's biggest controversies was the t- flushing of a fucking toilet <laughs> upon its release. Like, you, do you see? We all take shits. We all piss. Yeah. And again, it was it was it was torn up paper in that toilet. By the way, not like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is what is offensive about flushing a toilet? I, I'm kind of. I've been listening to. I I started listening to the new episode of time suck about George Collins. So I'm kind of on that censorship thing right now. Cause he's yeah. touching on that with George Collins, but, uh, Oh yeah. If you want a good companion to that, by the way, uh, HBO uh, released a documentary earlier this year called George Carlin's American dream, which is like his life story. And like in relation to the entertainment industry and like what he accomplished through that. So kind of like just actually more of a condensed version of what Dan's going to talk about. Cause he goes mm. all out. But oh, yeah, still a good watch, and 
it's really it's it's a it's cool to see the impact he had. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. That's why I said I'm counting this interesting things. They talked about that and stuff. That, you know, obviously it's stuff he went through. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is. I have learned that if like America would stop being so beholden to a, a thing, a a book that's been translated for over centuries that may not even be real. Um, just saying. Um, oh, it did, none of that shit happened. I believe that. <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah, you can have your personal view. I just said that's bomb. That's I'm just looking at this like let's be logical here, guys. Come on. What I um, what I never understood is how in a country that has you know in, in the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment is freedom of speech. How can you also have censorship laws at the same time? It doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Never. Yeah. And halftime censorship laws, and this was crazy to me with America. A kid can watch someone's head get bashed in all day. You know, watch whatever graphic thing you want to see on Saul or. Netflix's Daredevil, but man, you better not show a boob. How fucking dare you show those kids a naked body? Well, even like you know, Takashi uh, Shimizu, he remade his own movie for the American audiences, The Grudge, but he was told by the you know, studios like you got to tone that down. It's, it can't be that scary. Like, why would you want your movie to be not as scary? I'll never understand that. I I don't. And Grant, look, I'll say this: like I have a soft spot for the re- because I saw it when I was like a kid. Yeah, so it was like more of a nostalgia thing, and it was right when I really had my crush on some Michelle Geller. So I was like, I was a kid, you know, just seeking out anything, and she was doing a lot of horror stuff. She was in that. Um, I got a bit of a crush on Kayako, and I feel like I should be concerned about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you know, to, to tell them that hey, you can't make it as scary. Why? It's a horror movie. Make it scary. You're not showing it on Nickelodeon. Like people will go see it who want to go see it, and yeah, I, I I don't get that. I don't, and like, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every horror film should be scary. Again, I'm. If anyone knows me, I fucking love slashers. I love that to uh the early you know 2000s torture porn era, and all those two well, many less of the torture porn area, but. All those are meant to just be your more fun type. Let's watch graphic shit on screen for like an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm all about that. So I love that type of horror too. But I do like a good horror film that does try to go for it and it scares every so often. I do. Especially, you know, ghosts. Like ghost horror movies should be scary. I, I believe that 100%. Uh, I'll take eerie. I'll take creepy. I'll even take weirded out. Mm. I, but I, I want I something. <laughs> Yes, I, and I do wonder if because of me watching, like, uh, opening my eyes, especially in college, opening my eyes to a lot of foreign cinema, thanks to a good uh, college, uh, a buddy of mine from college that was into it, and help, and he helped kind of really guide me on some stuff, um, and you know, open my eyes to some other things outside of you know what I had seen. Um, I do wonder if that's why when stuff like you know the conjuring and stuff like that comes out, or paranormal activity comes out, and I hear it all the time, man. Oh, it's the scariest film. But and again, me just being the horror fan I am, I get way too fucking curious. I'm like, well, let's see. And I walk away never really that scared. And actually, in both cases of Conjuring and Paranormal Activity, I like them. They're I do find them to be good movies. I'm just not scared of them like everyone else. I don't know if that's because the fact that I've seen these foreign films that just push it so much further, and they play it so much more safe here in America. Not not putting down James Bond. I do think he's a fan fucking test job. Conjuring one and two. I agree. I agree with you. I think that, you know, having a worldview of anything helps, you know, shape your opinions in a much more rounded way. And that, you know, including film. 
I think it's really important to remind yourself that, you know, Hollywood is not the only place where movies are made that, you know, America is not the only country on earth. We need that mindset so that we can be better human beings. And especially in film, I think, you know, appreciating every culture's movies, regardless of genre, is very important. I've seen, you know, French films I've enjoyed, Italian films I've enjoyed, you know, Chinese films I've enjoyed. It's it's cool. It's cool to see another country, you know, telegraph what they have to say. And I think it makes us, you know, makes us better people. Yeah. And it it's funny when people try to close off to me their their minds are like, well, they want to read subtitles, blah blah blah. But then if you put on the right movie, all of a sudden they don't care. Like, for example, right? Uh on you know how I've said it on the show, you you know how much I adore the raid. Um to an extent the raid too, mostly mainly the first film. Mainly because it's shorter. It's not two and a half hours. Yeah. Um but uh, I, you know, absolutely love that movie. And I remember on my first deployment, on um, when I when I was stationed on Nimitz, um, I that was one of the ones I had on my on my uh on my computer that I was able to you know use the digital code, all that good stuff, right? Um, and we put I put it on TV one day, and yeah, man, these these other guys are like, I don't want to watch something subtitled, blah blah blah. Man, it took like the first action scene. Next thing you know, there's more people just constantly sitting down at the couch. That aren't you know that aren't busy. That by the end of the film, the outrageously long fight scene between our three guys, um, that happens. I remember what the one point when the dude gets stabbed in the Mad Dog gets uh stabbed in the neck with the uh, the light and keeps fighting. I hear in in the background, what the f-? and I look and there's like five guys are out nowhere that weren't there earlier just watching this fight scene. <laughs> so it's like if you just give it a chance. It works just as well, regardless of the language. Great storytelling transcends the language barrier. I've always believed that. And I continually see it the more films I watch. It's, yeah, 100%. And this movie, Juon, is one of the creepiest fucking ghost movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes, it is. And also, if you guys are looking for a good action one, you haven't seen it yet, watch the goddamn raid, and then watch John Wick. You'll see a nice little surprise in the third film. And also, you'll understand some of their influences. And then watch Dread. It'll piss you off. <laughs> not the movie. The movie's great. Yeah. Uh, movie's great, but uh, it's not exactly you know the most original material. No, but we should have had more. <laughs> great movie, though. I do like Dread. I just do. And you know what? We got we got Carl Rubin as Billy Butcher now, so I guess it kind of worked out. Everybody wins. Yeah. Except for the fans who want more Dread. This one. Right here. This one. <laughs> so everyone but us. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> uh, okay, so that was fun. Uh, in my extensive research, I discovered that The Grudge is actually the third entry in the Juon franchise. Not a lot of people know that because this is the one that a lot of people credit with actually starting the franchise, which is weird. That's a, this is a very weird franchise because uh, the thing is, I'm sure you'll get to it. I don't mean to like step on your toes because I know I do my own research for my show. Yeah, I, I step mean, on your toes there all the time. Feel free. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> you know, Ringu came out and was a huge fucking hit, and they actually did this one after that. Yeah. They're like, "Hey, that's a huge hit." They they did pull a little bit of American move. They're like, "That's a huge hit. Let's try our own thing." And then they came up with Chew on the Grudge. But luckily, they didn't go the American route. Like, let's just copy that. They went, "Let's do that, but do our own thing." And it worked out. We got this one film, and it also became a 
humongous hit that yes did kickstart like the fucking 20 something sequels have come out since then and it did un- un- unfortunately though when it did come out a lot of critics did just say like it's just ringu which is unfortunate because it's not ringu is a much different movie with a similar bad guy but you know they did their own Freddy versus Jason weird shit with that in uh in Japan. We'll get to that towards the end of the show. Yes. And also people forget like as far as the whole like ghost go with the long but that's all based in Japanese folklore. So again, if you're trying to say, oh, they're copying that, that shows how uneducated you are. Not yeah. I I'm gonna be blunt, it shows how fucking uneducated you are. It's based off Japanese folklore. So do some research before you watch another country's movie, maybe. Ringu and Juan both came from the same Japanese legend. Which we're going to talk about in a, in a minute here. Uh, yeah. Creepy. I'm trying, like, <laughs> trying to be like a pompous thing. I'm saying like, know some facts before you try to say things like that. I think I agree. Before you start, you know, before you get in a soapbox, make sure you have all of your research. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you if you just want to watch the movies and enjoy yourself, go ahead. But if you want to be the guy who's arguing like this is why Juon is a ripoff of Ringu, you want to be that guy. Bring your A game. <laughs> Yes, because I'm going to be like, well, do you know anything about the Japanese folklore this is based off of? <laughs> oh, what's that? What? Okay. And then if you tell me that, I'm walking. I will not engage with conversation. I'm going to walk away. I wish it was socially acceptable to just get, tell people no, and then just walk away when they try to engage you in conversation. I've kind of done it. I just walk mm-hmm. away. I just find a way to leave without saying a word. Look, what's that? And then run. Yeah. Have you ever tried? Yeah. Have you ever tried that? No, I try to do the yeah, I'm busy thing. I'll be like, oh god, my phone, and I'll just start walking. I've always wanted to pull a Marty McFly and be like, what the mm-hmm. hell is that? And then just take off. Oh no, no, my go-to is like I have shit to do. It's always because no one questions that. Oh look, man, I love to keep talking, but I'm running some errands. I I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's fun to lie to people. Anyway, yes. <laughs> so. The uh, the Grudge is the third film in the Juon franchise. It's preceded by Juon the Curse and the creatively titled Juon the Curse 2, both of which were direct-to-video releases in 2000. A lot of these films are double up in the same year, which I always am impressed by. Look at what Ty West is doing right now. Yeah, he, Ty West is very influenced in release style of oh, yeah. Japanese. Because Japanese guys, they film quick. And you know, in a lot of foreign countries, they film fucking fast oh yeah they're released like two or three movies a year no problem yeah you do not see that in america like west is doing a very unique triple trouble thing right now and i've been all the power to him yeah no awesome very much awesome time so yeah and why don't we get into it but like both true on the curse curse two from what i understand are incredibly hard to find yeah well they were released on video in 2000 exclusively in japan so good luck (laughs) yeah I mean, Jesus, Jesus Christ! I texted you when I was watching this one, and I was like, "There's really not a fucking Blu-ray release for this movie." I immediately last week when we when we finished up with Jeepers Creepers two, I immediately went to Amazon to get Juan on Blu-ray. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I went to ran on Prime. They were like, "Yeah, ran an SD," and I was like, "The fuck!" And I know this is first world problems. I know, but nonetheless, uh, I was like, "There's not an HD option." I was like, "The fuck is this shit?" And I looked it up, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? They-? And that's when I texted you, I'm like, we haven't remastered this yet? And I'm like, look, someone like Arrow, please, if for some reason you listen to our show, and please, if you can get your hands on this, you got Ringu, try to get Juan 
and give us a, a damn good Blu-ray release because I know you guys can do it. SD? Why don't I just watch it on fucking VHS? Why should I even bother? New movie for honestly, the week, goddammit. Honestly, as someone who now has a, essentially a collector's item VHS, I get a collector's item, Juan. The grudge. I wouldn't say that. I just find it funny. Um, I ended up buying it on Voodoo because it was $4 to rent or $6 to buy. And I'm like, it's two extra bucks and then I have it forever. So fuck it. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who has my Voodoo account, which is quite a lot of my friends and family, you can watch Juon whenever you want. I know you won't, but you could. You can. So that is a nice option. But yeah, it, it is. I This is a crime, in my opinion, against cinema that this has not, this film has not been upgraded at all. I'm sure there's a DVD release, but like, and yeah, I, I'll get it. My dad had this on DVD. I remember the case freaked me out when I was a kid. The the boy with the black eyes. Was like, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not. Like, I'll get my, I'll get my hands on a DVD copy if that's readily available. But it would just be nice. I like, but how the placement this has in film history in general, Japanese and international in general, that it you would think it'd be upgraded. Well, I mean, I hate to harp on this, but, you know, Arrow did do a Ringu collection. So it'd be great if they also did a Juon collection. You know, the curse to, I think the last one's called. uh, I don't know. It's the final something. I don't know. But that one. It would be cool, especially if they did like Ringu and they did the set, but then did Ringu separately. Because that's what I got. I just got Ringu separately because I've not seen the sequels. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, it'll happen. I mean, it's not like this is a secret hit. Like, this is a pretty renowned movie, so I'm sure it'll happen some, at some point. We got a 2020 American re- recall, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So, I mean, it's still popular. I mean, this year is the 20th anniversary of Juon, so this would have been a great opportunity <laughs> to do that. <laughs> ah, damn. <laughs> so, these two films, the first two films, The Curse and The Curse 2, introduced Kayako, the main villain of the franchise. But it wasn't until 2002's The Grudge that international audiences started paying attention to this franchise, and this was the first to be released theatrically and thus is responsible for spawning the franchise. Which is funny to me that the third film is just kind of considered the the one you need to start with. <laughs> it- it's funny because you hear about that kind of thing happening in like the world of music, right? Like the, a band will release like in t- two, three EPs, but then the actual like LP is so debut CD. Or like you could do a Pantera, right? Have like three glam albums, but Cowboys from Hell, <laughs> it's what they consider the debut, right? And no one thinks twice about our music ever. It's just like, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, this is Shimizu's Black Album. Saint Anger, uh, but uh, no, I think there's a, he's got there's a Saint Anger in this franchise. We're gonna talk about the sequels later. Oh, there, there is, there's, there's, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, no one bats not. If anything, they just become like those hard to find things that like true diehards try to get their hands on. You very rarely ever hear about that in film, though. Which are like, no, yeah, the third film. Don't worry about the other two. Yeah, be funny if the other franchises were like that. You know, it's like, oh, don't even bother. Return of the Jedi. That's where you got to start. Okay. Can you imagine like Friday 13 or like Saul? Don't even start with the first two. Just three is fine. <laughs> That's crazy, man. It's, it's funny. <laughs> um, So let's talk a bit about the origins of this, this legend here. The character of Kayako, this tortured 
evil, vengeful soul. Partially inspired by the Japanese legend of the Onryu, which translates to vengeful spirit. The Onryu are spirits created out of violence, pain, or sorrow, who can return to the living world to exact vengeance by killing the living or even creating natural disasters. A lot of people you know, believe the Onryu are responsible for earthquakes, hurricanes, crazy shit. Uh, it's pretty similar to the Jewish Dybbuk or La Llorona of Latin American folklore. Every culture has their kind of woman in white. Mm. And this is the Japanese version, uh, which is creepy that every culture on earth came up with a very similar ghost thing. <laughs> Makes yeah. you wonder what's going on with that. Yeah, they just add their own flavor. Like in the case of the you know, Japanese, the, the, the long black hair is just a terrifying image for them. So they added that um, to it. I, I, I need to look that there is more to it than just that. I just cannot remember off the top of my head when it comes to the black hair, but I know that was one of the things that that's just a, a creepy image to them. So they've applied that to their uh, folklore. They've added that themselves. Yeah. And, you know, you can see how Ringu was influenced by this legend as well. Uh, I know other films like A Tale of Two Sisters has something similar to this. So like, mm-hmm. it's it's a creepy thing to do. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's going to be in a lot of movies. Yeah, it's a crazy name, and again, kind of going back to the people that are comparing it, Ringu and Juan are doing two very different things, but you know, Ringu is taking this ideal, but keeping it very isolated to, like, she's spreading her curse through the tape, and you know, you got seven days to live, but it's saying isolated, whereas Juan takes this folklore and this legend, and hence, and it seems to, to me, when you mention it does things with, like, hurricanes and things like that, natural disasters, they seem to hone in on that part with how much they're making this movie gets bigger as it goes on. And I know that the curse is slowly getting uncontained out of the house. Like the ghosts are finding ways to get out of that fucking house and get more people. And it seems like they hone in on that part of the legend quite a bit for this movie. Well, the whole concept of like, it's not even like, you don't even have to do anything to these, to this thing. You don't have to piss it off. You just have to go in the house. That's all you have to do. And you can't even leaving the house, leaving the country, nothing's going to save you. It's going to get you. That is so fucking creepy and terrifying. I would much rather be hunted by the Ringu ghost. I would just go to Amish country and I'd be fine. No, just go to a place with no TVs and you're good. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, turn off the creepy ass video before you get to the end because you're like, oh, I don't like this. Or just don't watch a video where there's a legend night around it that you could die in seven days. Just don't watch it. Yeah, just don't. Stay away from that shit. The, The first film luckily like worked around that by it being well, the first film. But after some of the sequels, you're like, are you still really watching this? Fuck, you guys know what this is. <laughs> Stop watching the goddamn tape. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, in this case, just there's really like, how do you know if you're walking into a cursed house till it's too late? That's yeah. that's frightening. Like, I don't know. You know, I I go to some house. I see a ghost and I'm like, oh, shit. And now I see the ghost everywhere. And then one day I just disappear. Well, and what I love is, again, uh, you know, American versus Japanese, right, way of thinking. American family would have had that, you know, opening tower saying anyone who enters the house is cursed. You know, they would have found a way to explain all this shit at the beginning or the worst. A character usually played by a very famous actor. Uh Well, in my research, if you enter the house, and he's adjusting his glasses while he's talking, if you enter the house, it, it follows you when you leave, you'd really want to stay out of this. Stop fucking doing that, American horror movies. 
stop dragging Vincent D'Onofrio or any other big name fucking actor to exposit exposition on a Zoom call. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> oh my god, that happens all the fucking time. It's the yeah, it's the new big thing. It's so goddamn annoying. Really I didn't mean to get, but like it does kind of angry. It's so it's so fucking annoying. Well, I hate um, exposition dumps to begin with, where you just have like, here's what's going on. But no, find a creative way to tell the audience what's going on. That's what Juwan does. You just understand the whole point. Like, oh, they went into the house, they got killed. They went into the house, they got killed. And I'm thinking, you probably should stop going in that house. And click. That's all I need. Yes, and that's what, and that's that's leading to what I'm saying with versus American Japanese, right? Like you said, the film doesn't fucking. T- it literally, the only thing it tells you is what started this curse. That's it. That's all it tells you. Like, hey, this happened, and a curse has started in this house. Boom. That's all you need to know. Cool. Yeah. And like you said, the people we see die first in the house. So you're like, well, then don't go in the fucking house. Just stay out of the goddamn house or leave. Get the hell out of the house. Yeah. But then they unveil, I believe it's Hitomi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first one. And they show that by just putting her story in and showing it and not exposing this shit to me. They show you, no, no, motherfucker. It doesn't matter if you get out of that house. It's coming for you. It will not stop. Well, I love how this movie kind of, you know, cancels that, like, the most obvious loophole of a haunted house movie is just don't leave. Just get out. But you're tainted. There's no way out. This is going to happen. And you just got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's wonderful. And that's and that's what i love is that you know i always tell people like you got to get used to how this film is structured in such a cool way to me and it seems disparate right it's just like here's this person and their story now here's this person and their story now this but if you watch and you pay attention to how these characters are placed throughout the story it all comes together at first you're like you you get the social worker at the beginning and then it cuts away right when you see sees the thing you're like what the fuck okay we got this family we're following why am i following this family then it's revealed, hey, they've been in the fucking basement the whole time. Social workers are dead. You know what I mean? Like it leads, these stories lead. And then we, pre, you know, we get introduced to the sister who told me in that one scene. And then it goes to her story. And you see more. Again, her story establishes you don't keep, if you stay in the house, if you get out of the house, it don't matter. It's coming after you. And one of the creepiest fucking scenes to me to this day, going to bed after watching that scene is actually kind of difficult. Um, <laughs> holy shit. But you know what I mean? Like these, it's a weird structure, but if you pay attention, it works. And that's what I love too, is that this is a horror film, especially in today's day and age, people are so used to being able to be on their phones. So you can turn something on Netflix. It's known fact. Netflix makes films based off you being able to sit on your phone and kind of look up sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's just hot. Trust me. That's how they do it. Um, so the fact that this is one that says, no, 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 put your shit down and pay attention. Cause if you don't, you will not know what the fuck's going on. Well, it's been a minute since I saw the American remake, but if I recall, it's solely focused on the the caretaker story. It is, and he does do uh, vignettes of other people involved. Because again, it's still the same director, but you know there was more studio overlook, so they didn't let him get as wild with it. But he does cut away to certain characters, like it's a lot more like they instead of like just cutting, you'll get introduced to a character, and then they'll cut. So you get introduced to like one of her social worker friends and then you get her story, right? And then you get introduced oh, yeah. to the cop and then you get his story. So it's more of an American way of doing it. 
is there a moment where like a, a horror vet is like this is what happened in that house and this is why you can't go back like does it have that no 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 luckily the early 2000s like remake craze of j horror did not do that they just did j horror much more shitty <laughs> that was a recurring thing it was like let's do this but not make it nearly as good it reminds me of like a midwest family making tacos <laughs> it's like it's technically still tacos but there's no flavor there yeah well what's funny is that the ring and the grudge are actually much like with the japanese version or considered good by many like they were huge hits yeah and I, I do i will stand by the ring big time i actually think it's a pretty solid film um in and of itself and i do like i said i saw the grudge when i was young it's a little nostalgic for me so it, it doesn't bother me but then much like this all their shit came out and was so so much more inferior um like the t- I think they did it till Two Sisters America. Um, I know they did Shudder, they did Pulse, which no one fucking liked. Yeah, they did Dark Water, they did One Missed Call, and all of them were horrific bomb. The Eye, uh, yeah, like yeah, it's it's, it's ugh. yeah, it was literally like Ring was a huge hit, Grudge was a huge hit, and they went okay, we got something, and then everything after that was a bomb. Yeah, it's always, it always comes back to that thing you keep talking about, you know, horror being in waves. And, you know, that was the J-horror wave. And it is crazy how that always happens. One thing is a hit, and suddenly there's a million fucking copycats. Yep. It's, it's annoying. You know, what I, you know what I think killed it? Because I think The Ring was like, I want to say The Ring was 2001. Two, I think, 2002. 2002. I think The Grudge was not too long after. I think it was like... That was 04. It was 04. You know what I think killed it? Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake 2003. I think basically <laughs> Americans went, oh, hey, look, they're just doing it for American films. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I guarantee that's what happened. Because next thing you know, you know what lasted way longer than it should have? The fucking American remake craze. And then in 2004, Saul came out. The torture porn thing took off. So I think it was a mixture of like Americans just moved on really quick to the other big fads that were happening. I would love a movie where like Leatherface, Freddy, Jason... Michael, like they're all trapped in a house being like attacked by Japanese ghosts. How cool would that be? Like slashers being attacked by ghosts. That'd be amazing. That'd be an awesome movie. Cause you know, like Freddie wouldn't be scared, but Leatherface would be shitting his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie'd be like, come at me, bitch. He's just revving the chainsaw, like sadly, somehow. He's trying to chop through them. It's just like swinging through them and he doesn't know what to do. His whole life has just been chainsaw. That's all he knows. So he's out of his depth. Why is she coming out, TV? Why? I imagine him not like being able to form sentences. He's just like, ah, ah. <laughs> he randomly like hears, that. yeah, he randomly hears in the background. Go get him, cuz. <laughs> he accidentally cuts through a support beam. It's like, God damn it. Have some fucking respect for your home for once. Oh, when I was drinking my fucking tea, I I'm not gonna lie, I have started to time that. <laughs> I hate you. It's hilarious to watch you choke. <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> um, Takashi Shimizu would direct five of the films in the Juon franchise, including two American ones, and he would back off, which is probably pretty smart because after that, everything went downhill pretty fast. 
Yeah, the American on the American side of things, like the Grudge is like so it was a huge hit. There is there are fans of it to this day. You don't hear people talk about two and three a lot. I think the most one of them has was that Shawnee Smith was in one. I forget which one she I think she was in two. I forget. But she was in one of the sequel. She was in three. Yeah. She was in three. That's the most that you kind of hear about it was because you know, obviously that was when Saul was coming out, so she was having her resurgence and having a big uh career. And you know, she's a big horror icon anyway. Um, and then you know they tried bringing it back in 2020 with the, the Grudge, and uh, I don't know why they called it that because it wasn't the fucking Grudge, but you know that's for another podcast. Wikipedia called it a sidequel, which I've never heard that word before. Sidequel, that sidequel can go eat my nuts. <laughs> I look forward to talking about that. I can't express to you how much I fucking hate. Oh, I remember your review. I remember getting that in the email and being like, "Whoa." <laughs> when you don't like a horror movie it's like it like insulted your mother it's where you go off man yeah or well, especially when you don't have the two fucking ghosts in the goddamn movie uh, i'm literally watching it going where are like the ghosts that are you know a key part of this franchise they're not in the movie oh my god awesome you know that was a producer being like we want to make a gr- another grudge but do we need the japanese ghosts i mean it's really japanese is there any way we can make it more is there any big time actor that can come in for a day <laughs> via zoom yep it's i know the grudge has that uh <laughs> fuck. yeah we're gonna go off on that at the towards the end of the show uh, Jew on the Grudge has an IMDb score of 6.7. Does not have a Rotten Tomatoes critic score because I guess enough American critics couldn't be bothered to watch this. Uh, but it has an audience score of 63%, which seems pretty low. I think that'd be higher. Yeah, that's what I thought. It grossed about 500 million yen, which is about 3.6 million US dollars worldwide, which isn't great because the budget was 3.5 million. Oh, ooh, that wow. Yeah, so despite that, it... It has become a cult classic, spawned an international franchise. So good for good for Juwan. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was much more of a hit than that. Jesus, because this so, is great. Song. So did I. I was like five hundred million yen. That's amazing. And then I, did, I googled the ratio, and I'm like, oh, it's not at all. It's actually quite embarrassing. <laughs> I felt bad. <laughs> oh, it must have done great. Never mind. It, it did okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, so with that, with that, let's talk some highlights of the movie because there are quite a lot. Uh, this has some great moments in it. Uh, I like we just jump right in. Just you know, caretakers like, hey, like something. The guy's like, hey, I got a job for you because the other guy didn't show up. So you're gonna go to this house, and that's it. Go to the house. <laughs> She's just like, okay, <laughs> go to the house, make your money. God damn it. Yeah. Goes to the house. It's dirty, full of trash. There's a catatonic old woman lying on the ground. It's like somebody lived here for a bit, but something happened. You get the vibe immediately that like this is not right. This house is wrong. And uh, she helps the old lady. She starts exploring. She keeps hearing like noises and you keep seeing shit in the background, which always creeps me out. Just, you know, little boy sitting in the background, never addressed, just there. And then the camera pans away and he's fucking gone. Yeah. And again, what I love is no musical sting. It just happens. And you're like, wait, what the fuck did I just watch? He's like the Where's Waldo of movie ghosts. He's like, sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't, but they're not going to draw attention to him. No. And what I, 
But I like about it's like if you catch it, it's creepy. But if you don't, there's it still creates a weird sense of unease. I noticed that when I was watching it, I love how as soon as she steps into the house, then it becomes like a horror film. You know what I mean? Like before that, it feels like you know they have their setup for the curse. And then it kind of just feels like any other you know film you're watching. Like oh, okay, here's a social worker, but like the way they turn the the tread and the atmosphere up the moment she walks through that house. Like it's again, it's subtle, but you know, so you're like, why do I feel so uneasy now? Now that she's in here, why I don't like the feeling I have anymore. Yeah, it's like we're in Japan, we're in Japan, we're in Japan. Now we're in hell, <laughs> and you just—it's a quick, immediate shift, and yeah, it it just maintains that the rest of the movie. Um, uh, when she goes upstairs and like the room's all there's that room that's all boarded up, and she hears a meow, and you're just thinking like, what was like what was kept in here <laughs> dude it oh that they do of like and then if you you know you watch when you find it's the little boy fucking making that noise yeah I know, like we both have pets you specifically i know you have your cat obviously i have you know both my dog you know i've talked about him before my dog but i also have my cat and then watching josh's cat if someone thun me out and it's not one of these two cats i'm running i'm running through my fucking window i'm not even going for the door i'm just getting out of this house as quick as possible my cat is currently at my family's place because I had a road trip and they had to watch him. So if I hear a meow tonight, I'm probably going to have a heart attack because <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> so fuck. <laughs> um, the creepy boy reveals his name, Toshio, and his voice gave me the freakiest like chill down my spine. I don't know. It's like the way he was talking was like, like just this weird cadence to his voice that did not sound right <laughs> no and then, oh god and then you wonder is it because like that's how he sounds as a ghost or does this have to anything to do with what happened because you know it's talked about like he was killed by his his dad um as part of this curse like you know so that makes you more is it because it's like just part, part of this ghost thing part of the deal would be coming to ghosts you, you don't sound like yourself anymore or does it have to do with whatever the fuck happened in his death, you know what I mean? It makes you wonder a bit. But again, what I love is that the film doesn't bother answering these questions. Like, no, you can just watch what we give you. If you're an American traveling in Japan and you're killed in a violent way, do you become like a Japanese ghost or do you become like an, an American ghost? How does that work? That means I get my hair back. That's not the worst outcome for me. <laughs> I'm just picturing you with like long black hair now and it's weirded me out. <laughs> Look like Ozzy Osbourne. I don't like it. <laughs> uh yeah saw, anyone wondering i said that because uh i'm bald so and the the shocking plot twist of this show is finally revealed <laughs> what if you were, like imagine me luscious mane of hair it's like no i'm i'm bald what if our viewership plummets <laughs> because they'll be damned if they listen to a bald man talk about movies <laughs> That's some kind of ism that I will get on the platform about if that happens. <laughs> I don't know what ism it is, but I want to find it. It helps y'all. I have luscious locks. No, you don't. I did. I, I got a haircut recently, but I do have hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at your head right now. No, you don't. Usually I do, but haircut. Anyway. <laughs> um, The first time we see Kayako is absolutely mind-blowingly terrifying. It's... uh. 
Rika, the caretaker, is just sitting in the room. All of a sudden, you get this weird sense of unease, and this fucking ghost just appears above the old lady, and everything freezes, and then we go to a different story. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, again, uh, we were talking about before, I will not ruin it at all, for those of you who have not seen it, it's brand new. And if you want original horror, stop bitching, go see Barbarian. But it does what we were talking about, where I'm like, it cuts, and you're like, wait, wait, what? No, no, what? No, I need to process what I just saw. And the movie's like, don't give a shit. We'll move it on. Um, again, for those who've seen Barbarian, you get why I just compared to that. For those who haven't, go see Barbarian as blind as you can and support original horror films and stop complaining that we only get things like a new Halloween movie. Yeah. That is all. It's If you linger on the freaky thing too much, it loses its, its scariness. If you don't, you know, if you don't show enough of it, the audience is going to feel disappointed. So you got to, got to find that sweet spot. And Barbarian and Juan both have those sweet spots. Yeah. Both achieve different ways, but dear God, did they find that sweet spot? Um, yeah. Yeah. This one, I do like how it cuts from the eye, you know, it's the eyes, like, you know, you see it and then just a close up the eyes and she looks and it fucking cuts and you're like, what? <sighs> Wait, go back. <laughs> And then we go to the couple who, uh, the old lady's parents, I mean, not parents, God damn it, uh, da- son and, da- and daughter-in-law. That'd be crazy. I mean, I wish they'd done that and just never addressed it. Like, oh, this old lady's parents are like in their 30s. <laughs> anyway, Katsuya and Kazumi. And uh, it's Benjamin Bunn or something in that fucking household. <laughs> They uh, this is creepy. Kazumi sees the thing first. Sees the boy. The uh, husband comes home to find her catatonic on the bed. I always I love that in this movie. We don't really see people react to the ghost. We just see them after they've dealt with it, and they're just catatonic and absolutely like terrified because they can't comprehend what they just saw, and that oh. is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's like this film is like knows how to be subtle and not subtle. It knows when to be subtle, knows when not to be subtle. Um, and that's one of them. Um, I do also like in the scene, like again, talk about things happening when the husband comes home and finds his wife and he goes to call on the phone or something, and you see the little boy just walk past him. But then you see that he notices something move and he's like, huh? And he looks. Ugh. He also stopped dialing for the ambulance, which bothered me. He's like, keep keep going on that phone call. Your wife's not getting any less catatonic. Keep going, uh, there, bud. What really creeped me out in that scene is when uh, the wife dies and the husband's like starts crying and he starts like sobbing to himself. And then this dark shadow just overtakes him and he immediately shuts it off. Like that freaked me out. That was one of the best possession visuals i've ever seen in a movie that was so creepy yeah and then he starts like taking over and the shit that comes out of his mouth after that when like his sister comes in and you're like you're just watching like wait what the fuck is going why is he talking like that he wasn't talking like that earlier yeah just ushers her ushers her out and hitomi's like well guess i'll go home not realizing like this is not right (laughs) something's off he's just like well i guess dinner's off it just goes home. Dinner's off. I guess they're going to enjoy a normal night. Emphasis on normal. That at least she thinks. Yeah. And then we follow her. 
and she goes to work, la di da di da, and starts seeing creepy shit. She gets a phone call, and it's that fucking noise. That probably the most iconic, apart from the ghost, the most iconic thing to come out of this franchise is that fucking like I can't do it. That like you know droning. I used to be really good at it when uh the American Grudge came out, and I used to do it to my siblings all the time. I was really really good at it, and they fucking yeah. I can't do it anymore. That was probably the worst thing. I'm sorry for those who heard that. That was bad, but I just sound like I'm doing a Simpsons burp. Huh. Yeah, I used to fucking nail it, and I just walk around. I walk around my house because I watched it with my siblings. The skit. You know, I'm the oldest. So I was like, let's go them. And I watched that, and it scared share them. So I just walk around doing that noise. Like, kill him! Stop it! Nope. I can do it when I have a cold and I've got like a phlegmy throat. I can I can do that really well. <laughs> But it's so creepy. It's so simple, but it, it it's so unnerving. It scares the shit out of her. And she's like, she goes to the security guard to be like, hey, there's some creepy thing in the bathroom. Cause like Kayako shows up and Tommy's just like, uh-uh, nope, uh-uh. Uh, so for me, this whole segment is like there for me, peak creepiness for me in this movie. Not that it doesn't like all of a sudden, like it's just nothing creepy after. Like, this is for me always like the creepiest segment of the movie. Cause like when she gets out of that stall, first off, just hearing it in the store next to you, creepy. Then when she gets out and you see the fucking hands come out and like the ghosts pop out to look at her and just that brief shot we get them like, oh God, it sends goosebumps up me every time. Well, also, this is when you realize there's no escape. Like it, it'll get you no matter how far you go. It's it's reach is is literally limitless. And that is terrifying. It gets the security guard just for getting involved. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, shit, he wasn't he even going the house. What the hell? Oh, but he saw too much. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Hitomi goes home, starts watching TV, and <laughs> yeah. best fucking okay. So we talked about the Shutter Show right uh, a bit before we mentioned it. I can guarantee for a fact Juan's going to make it on the countdown. Oh yeah, it'll. Get I it. am putting money fairly because I don't like to actually bet. That this is the scene that makes it into the countdown. This scene specifically, because holy shit, is this scene creepy? Yeah, it's she's just laying there on her back, and all of a sudden you just see the sheets start rising. And you know what you're gonna see, you know what it is, and it's you're just like, you don't want to look at it, it's freaky. She's she lifts up her sheets and Sayako is right here. <laughs> it's right in her face. So creepy. It is, oh. Oh. and again, more effective in this than I would argue the Americans. I think the Americans, if I recall correctly, they did do a fucking musical thing. They open it and they do a quick zoom, and you're like, "Oh shit!" And in this one, it's just you open it and she's there, and you're like, "Huh?" And it's like your breath kind of like catches from her. And you're like, "Oh!" Nope. It's not even like a like a scare. You're not even you don't even scream. You're more like, "What happens now?" <laughs> like you're just like, "I don't know what to do." A ghost yeah. is really lying on my belly. I have no idea how to handle that protocol. <laughs> the scene that's been haunting me is now literally on top of me, and I wasn't expecting this outcome. Yeah. And she drags Hitomi into nowhere. <laughs> Just I, she's gone. Yeah. I I I I'm sure but how long this franchise has been going in Japan that one of the sequels probably explained where these people go. But as someone who's only seen really this film um 
I have always like it always kind of tells terrifies me the thought of where she takes these people to. Probably the same weird hell dimension where the people in scary stories to tell in the dark were dragged into. Oh God. <laughs> Talk about a movie that had no business being as good as it was. Yeah, and then but because everyone no one saw it, we're never getting the sequel that was teased at the end. I'm like, you fuckers. Uh so did I say Sayako? I think yeah. I did. I mixed up the ring and grudge goes. My 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 mistake. Kaya. Uh we find out what happened to her. She was killed by her husband in a jealous rage. We saw a little bit of that at the beginning in this weird, like snuff film looking shit, which was really unnerving. Uh, just husband taking care of business. Just, I don't know why my mind jumped to the recent Bill Burr special. I mean, it's like about Sean Connery. Just slap her around a little. Oh my God. <laughs> Wrong. Inappropriate. Wrong time. I know. It's just <laughs> it, it, the way he slips into Sean Connery voice this mid joke is great. It is great. But this was such a violent, horrific, senseless murder that it created this curse that's so powerful mm. that it kills anyone who dares walk inside of her house. Well, yeah, it's it's like, and it says, I think at the beginning, it's idea of like, that's how much rage. It's like, she has so much rage, she wants everyone to feel it. That she doesn't care if they were involved or not, everyone must feel her pain. Which is crazy to think about, that you could have that much rage when you die, that you're like, fuck you if you're a kid, innocent, I don't give a shit. Fill my pain, bitch. Here we go. Jesus. Oh, that's frightening. Uh, and also, like, there is no way to, oh, I assume, I, I don't, again, I haven't seen the sequels, but I highly doubt they're going to find, like, some magic, you know, spell that erases this. If, but, yeah. if there's, like, 20 installments in this right now, I doubt they found a fucking way to stop this. Nah, well, that's the scariest thing is, like, there's, you know, everyone dies. Like, no, nobody gets away from this thing at the end of this movie. Like, everyone gets theirs for, for the crime of just walking in the door. Oh, man. It's such a... I, that, that whole concept really freaks me out. Yeah, because we all go into houses. We have we all like to live in homes. So it's like, holy shit, all you gotta do is walk into this? Like, how... You don't know that this shit's going on. Well, it's, yeah, you don't know where you're going. Um... So the cops get involved after uh, the old lady dies and they find the uh, the husband and wife couple in the attic dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's also when you kind of, again, the film, without telling you, it's all you on more on repeat things. You're like, oh, so this is when it starts to widen. It's like, this is when you kind of think like did the ghosts have this maybe plan. Like it got just enough people into the house. Stuff to finally get like police now into it, and all these people in that you can now fucking go and start well, going for. I mean, she didn't kill the old lady until it was convenient, like she mm-hmm. kept her alive. So I think there is like it's not as random as it seems. I think she is planning this. It's yeah, because otherwise, you know, who's gonna walk in that house unless there's a helpless old lady who needs help? Yeah, because eventually. No one's going to go into that house. And eventually someone's going to catch on and just burn it down from the outside. Kayako can't order a pizza. There's no way to call someone into this house. Can you imagine if she just breaks her death rattle to just order a pizza? Oh, my God. Dude, DoorDash is the greatest thing that ever happened to her. Like, she's just constantly ringing up orders and just eating people. And then pandemic happens and it was the worst thing because now it's no contact delivery. She's like, God damn it. 
<laughs> oh, that's fucked up. Uh, so the cops go to this guy, uh, Toyama, who was the cop in charge of the original case. And he, it hurt him a lot. That whole experience got into his head and he decides to help out with this. And he watches the security footage from Hitomi's office and that, holy shit, that was done so well. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like when the, you just see the black mask come up and you're like, what the fuck? And then the eyes and you're like, oh no. And then again, it's without them not fucking expositing shit. Telling him, like, look, in this case, don't have to go in the house. She found a loophole. He watched the video she was a part of. And now I'm starting to get why people are comparing it to the ring. <laughs> I think, like, he was in the house when he investigated the murder the first time. He was, and somehow he got away. But again, if you want to go with the theory that she is thinking ahead, she let him get away. So the opportunity arose. And then she saw it right here and she went, okay, cool. Opportunity. That's you're probably right. The way it like the ghost kind of consumes the whole screen of the TV, it makes it feel like she's coming out of your own fucking TV. Which yeah. is so unnerving. It it looked real. <laughs> yeah. Except, you know, obviously they don't want to copy the ring, so they don't go that far and be like, all right, so then you won't come out of the TV. Cause we saw this really cool film called Ringu. Um <laughs> they're like, no, just open your eyes like let's just keep it at that <laughs> oh my god that would be hilarious like it's not the same movie and then they just play that in court like what did you just say <laughs> oh um so kayako starts taking out the cops she that was actually creepy when she just comes down the stairs like rika just bolts and those two cops are like ah like in the corner as the ghost is coming to i actually thought that was pretty funny yeah, yeah, he does not borrow the health. He's like, I'm out, I'm getting out of here. And they were just like, Hey, what's going on? Oh my god, and then they just got forced into a corner, like they're climbing on each other, like, ah. You're okay, for me. <laughs> oh, we're fucking sadists. Uh, with that said, the part when she's coming downstairs is like pretty creepy. The way she's like, the way she walks and crawls, it's it's unnerving. Yeah, I got some even creepier info on that uh, when we get to film gas and facts. That was like, are you in, are you kidding me? Uh, so, Toyama, uh, Toyama has a weird like he gets to see the future, which is weird. Like he sees yeah. his daughter as a teenager. That was a little confusing. That was confusing. I I I'm sure the sequels probably dwell more into that, but I wonder if like she has the ability to warp time again. The idea of like. For going down the theory that you know she, she has things laid in motion. She's thinking ahead. If she was able to warp time a bit to be like, well, you, I let you go this time, but now not only am I going after you, oh, your daughter and her friends are next. If you get viciously, horrifically killed in Japan, you basically become a god. <laughs> That's it's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's a win-win. No, not a win for like anyone else, but a win-win for her. It's a win, horrible loss for everybody else on Earth. <laughs> but it's a great, great time for her. <laughs> uh, so Izumi, who is now a teenager and hanging out with her friends, is uh, sad that her other friends went missing because they went in the house. Because I guess it's, you know, go in the haunted house and say Bloody Mary in the mirror or some shit. Yeah. Teenagers being teenagers, even in, you know, Japan. Yeah. Teenagers are stupid in every culture. It's good to know that. Um, 
Izumi is like looking around her shoulder on everything. And she tells her friends, like, I went in the house too, but I ran. And that's when you're like, oh, she's dead, mate. <laughs> she's about to get hers. Yep. And she does. And then we go back to, oh, at first she gets dragged into darkness uh, again. That was, that was cool. Yeah. Another solid scene. Like when you see her dead friends come, you're like, holy shit. And then like, just the ghost just comes out of the fucking case behind her, grabs her. Did it make you laugh when she was stacking the furniture in front of the door and then they just slid it open? Yeah. Like, good job. You got them all out one. Just back into like a corner and then the ghost come out and be like, ha ha, glass bitch. And, and grab you and take you into darkness. We've seen these ghosts teleport. Why do they need to open doors? They don't like she opened the stall door in Hitomi's bathroom. They opened up Izumi's bedroom door. It's like, just blink. And you're over there. Because they're like me. They would be incredibly lazy ghosts. Like, I could teleport. I could just open the door. I'm going to open the door. (laughs) Uh, Then we go back to Rika, who is trying to cope with everything she's seen. And she has that moment where there's a hand in her hair when she's taking a shower, which actually I think was done way better in the remake. So you like the Americans? You like the musical sting in the remake? Not like that because it's Sarah Michelle Gellar in the shower, which I'm with you. I'm with you on that, but I'm thinking more you. the structure of the hand. Like you can tell, it's just someone like holding the hand in that person's hair. In the remake, it's coming out of the back of her head, and that was freaky. Yeah, yeah, it was freaky. I think the only thing I remember was like because the trailer had that as a prominent part of the advertising, it had a little less impact by the time I watched it. Because I remember like the trailer literally ended with that. Every single one. It's also on the poster of the remake because that's apparently the only part anybody remembers about yeah. the bridge in America. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it, I mean, it works for her. And not just like, again, you know, yeah, I was obviously, you know, watching it mostly because I'm sure Geller has a shower scene. And I was a hormonal teenager. So I had a huge crush on her. But it is really, I'll give him credit. It's really well done in that one. It's not bad here. It's just like, it's hard to see. So the hand's actually pretty small, I know. So like that's a really but again, they're being, you know, true to the fact that I think it's supposed to be like Toshio's hand, so it would be small. Um I'm I'm assuming, don't quote me. Um but yeah, yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Um mainly because it's Sir Michelle got in the shower. I'll give you that. <laughs> Down boy. Um, <laughs> no. When, <laughs> when Rico wakes up and she's surrounded by black cats. That was creepy. Yeah, dude, the idea that they don't want you to sleep, like they just find ways to torture you on items, like, oh my god, that is honestly, I would rather you kill. Just take me to over hell dimension you're taking me, then make me stay up, not get a fucking out to sleep. This is the ultimate get off my lawn movie. That's what this is. It's like, get off my property. Anyway. Yeah, because like you have like the boy, he's doing the cat noises on top of her, and then when she looks, and the fucking bitch is like right in front of her face, just doing the death rattle. I'm just like, all right, yeah, I would take a fucking drag into the hell dimension at this point. I was no one tried to punch her. <clears throat> like maybe it's an American reaction, but my fr- I'd be like ah and sock her in the nose. <laughs> I get. I don't know why I just went to scary movie. I could see like the scary movie franchise doing that. Oh, dude, Scary Movie 4 has poisoned the grudge for me. <laughs> it really has. 
I can't. I, it's, I think it's creepy, but I keep thinking about that fucking movie the entire time. Well, that or was I think it was Scary Movie three with uh, they did the ring where she kept she was uh, was a Queen Latifah I think. No, oh yeah, who like beat the shit out of her from the TV? Yeah, yeah, beat the shit out of her from the TV. <laughs> oh hell no, bitch! <laughs> My favorite part of that is Eddie Griffin being like, "We're gonna get another lawsuit." <laughs> oh god damn it! Anyway. I like when like scary, the first four scary movies are funny and watchable. I will stand by that. Yeah, I do like, like after he pulls her off, she does like she's like making little smirky faces and she just fucking smacks the shit out of her and knocks her out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I some of these movies I can't take seriously anymore because I saw admittedly I saw those first. And I mean, yeah, there it is, poison. Scream, you know what joke? Same way. You know what, you know what joke flew flew over my head until like a more recent watch of Scary Movie Three? What? When the priest comes in to babysit the kid, and he's like laying out all the stuff, and the kids, and he just goes, "Danny," or whatever the fuck he says, and that kid runs. Flew yeah. over my head as a kid, watched it now, and I went, "Oh my god!" When he's lighting candles and he pulls a bottle of wine out, I did not understand that at all. But now it's like, oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, they put this in a fucking PG. <laughs> okay, nice. <sighs> One day we're gonna do scary movie and just dig into that, and that'll be so much fun. Uh so Rika is pretty much at death's door now, and she's trying to figure this out. And there's a scene where she's like, she figures out she can like see see uh Kayako better if she's like doing a peekaboo thing. And uh the ghost just comes up in her clothes and it's like in her face right here. That was unnerving. Yeah, I love how like and you know again she kind of toys her. She lets her do that for a bit, like oh yeah, I can see my Romy, and then just does that. She's like, oh god damn it! <laughs> I just keep thinking. I know this is juvenile, but I would love it if she just she came up in like in her clothes. She was right in her face, and she just went like, "What's up?" <laughs> just start talking to her. Just starts like, "Why do you keep doing that? Why are you still in my house? Have I not made it clear?" I just want you out. Like, I didn't. Can you just leave? I could kill you in your home and not have to clean it up. Do you understand what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway, yeah, they. Rika gets killed and then the camera zooms in on her and she wakes up dead, you know, wakes up dead to quote Scary Movie 3 again and um, starts making the death rattle noise. And that's that's Juan. Well, I love what this ending does. It does two things, right? First, it shows you all those posters. It shows you how fucking widespread this has become, which yeah. is one of the most haunting images in the movie. Just that, holy shit, she's almost taken this town. There's so many missing posters at this point. Like, holy shit. And then it cuts to, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Rika, and it zooms in. She's in the attic. And then you kind of get an idea of maybe this is how she's been, which then makes you wonder what what's happened with the two the couple we found in the attic earlier, right? She does that death rouse. So you're like, well, wait, what about that couple that they got out of the attic? You know, and like, holy shit, this is how she's spreading. It's like, I don't know, it's just like the again, just not telling you, but making you start to think and ponder and wonder whoa as the credits are going. Well, also remember these thing like this thing is created out of violent death, and what's happening here the whole time is a shit ton of violent death. So she's basically cloning herself, is what I got. Like she's creating just a hundred rage ghosts. 
<laughs> affecting all of Japan. Yeah, creepy, creepy shit. At least in America, you just like walk through walls and haunt the plantation for like two hundred years. Then you got some good old boy. I tell you what, ghost. You can't physically do anything, but you're always there. I'm going to take my shotgun and I'm going to show you who owns this house, ghost. It's always like Cletus drinking two gallons of paint thinner being like, I know what I saw. (laughs) Not the best witnesses. (laughs) But uh, yeah, ghosts are creepy. (laughs) Um, Here are... (laughs) Sorry, it just reminds me of the UFO videos when they're like, here are credible reports of it. Someone being abducted by UFO. It's always like, I done looked up in the sky and there was this weird circle. And it, uh, they took me down up in that there saucer of theirs and I got probed all night. I'm like, that's not the best representation. I don't want to put people down, but, you know, it's it's never like some, you know, investment banker who's got like a business degree. Like, it's always some dude from Kansas. It's Jim Bob and Bobby Joe. Every like, time I got the Bobby Joe from Evil Dead too. So <laughs> Bobby Joe. I know what I didn't do and diddly don't don't see up there. <laughs> God damn it, it was little green people. <laughs> oh big ass. Big ass. <laughs> they want to make me Emperor of the Universe, but I turned them down because it's my home right here. They asked if I wanted to get probed, and I said, no, sirree, I do not. They ignored that. Pretty sore down there. <laughs> I told them my constitutional rights as, a, as an American. They did not well, The most I can take is six inches, but they, they proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is this has gotten really fun. <laughs> oh, boy. I love mocking morons. Anyway, here's here's two film guys and facts for Jew on the Grudge. Number one, I'm still laughing about. I know. Number one, the house used in the film was not a constructed set, but a real location, which had to be rented for film production. That's a real house. Uh, it became a tourist attraction following the film franchise's popularity, and unfortunately, it was demolished in 2019. That, so, damn it. God damn it, Japan. Would you, um, would you really go in the grudge house? I mean, yeah, because I know it's not actually cursed. And also because, like, if you take away the curse, it's a nice house. I what like you, the layout. What if you live there and somebody approached you and said, like, hey, I want to rent your house for a movie. We're going to shoot for six weeks. And they're like, oh, sweet. That'll be cool. And then you're watching a movie. You're watching the, the grudge and you're like, oh, shit, I think that's my house. <laughs> How freaked out would you be? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Especially they film servers, but like, well, I'm not going in that bedroom anymore. That's a no-no bedroom. What if you're like, I didn't know I had an attic. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck did I get an attic? Um, and, oh god, with that ending shot, you're like, do I need to go up there? <laughs> you don't... Dude, a fucking cat wanders in. <laughs> just... Knowing me. And the extremist I can be with certain with certain reactions, I would react so quickly with a baseball bat and chasing after that cat. Be gone, demon! <laughs> Get out of my goddamn house, goddamn! <laughs> Number two, being a ballet dancer and a trained contortionist, uh, Takako Fuji, who played uh, Sayako or Kayako, goddamn it, 
performed all of the unnatural and seemingly impossible bends, snaps, and jerky movements that Kayako performs in the film, especially in the infamous staircase sequence. No special effects or CGI were used at any point. It's all her. That's awesome. That is... How do they keep finding these people, man? James Bond keeps finding these people for his fucking horror movies. Like, uh, so even was wondering... In Malignant, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Malignant, so don't listen at this point. Uh, but the movements for uh, Gabriel, not CGI at all. Yeah. Like, it, I, how do they fucking find these people? The Crooked Man in Conjuring 2, that's a really tall, like, spindly guy who also played Mama. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been doing a lot of horror stuff because he can do things with his body. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know how it like god damn kudos to these people that can do this stuff right like people like them um to an extent Doug Jones the, those who don't know he does a lot of really cool makeup stuff um that can just inhabit these characters and do these do these things on camera yeah it's impressive I'm glad they're able to use this very specific skill set that I'm sure that growing up they were like you are never gonna be a movie star you weird bendy motherfucker but here they are I'm going to be in a movie one day. Prove you wrong, Dad. I'm going to be a star. It's not hope that I just watched Pearl this weekend, and that's like one of the driving plot of the movie. Y'all, you know, I believe I will support anybody's dream if they really believe in it. You want to fuck on camera? You want to bend on camera? You do you. I I don't care. As long as you're happy. Yeah. I don't look down on people that want to do porn. I think it's weird that in American society, we're like, you do porn? That's weird. It's like, they're happy and they're making money. Go fuck on camera. All goes, all goes back to the fucking church, man. Ugh. Um, so let's talk about the the franchise that this third film created. It still doesn't make sense to me. Not the first two. Like, they were like the appetizers to the entree. They're like the appetizers to the entree you didn't know you were you were gonna eat. People just keep giving you snacks and then they give you a giant meal and you're like, oh. Well, I mean, it's here. I might as well. <laughs> then you took a bite and you're like, it's pretty damn good. I guess I'll just keep eating it. And you have dessert and it's disgusting. <laughs> but you keep getting the dessert. You keep ordering it because they keep making it. And one of you is going to have to break the cycle eventually. <laughs> and by God, you're both stubborn. So it's not going to be you and it's not going to be them. <laughs> That's a fucking great analogy. Uh, so, all right. First up, we got. 2003's Juon the Grudge 2, which she's uh, Kayako attempting to use a pregnant woman as a conduit to live again. That always seems to happen in big horror franchises. Eventually, the demon ghost zombie wants to come back to life using a pregnant woman. Yeah, Freddy Krueger really started something there that he should not have. No, At least Jason had the good grace to just be a worm. I think that wasn't just said. I feel like I, I I picture like these are real people, and Jason Voorhees is like pulled offside, and he's like, "Look, man, if you be the worm, you get to be an astronaut." Doesn't that sound fun? Get worm. They'll send you to space, and then they'll pitch you against another horror icon. That sounds pretty enticing, doesn't it? Jace, you're gonna be America's sweetheart. Doesn't that sound fun? Huh? Get in the worm suit. Anyway, oh, I was holding the machete. He's just so deflated. He's like, I 
I used to have good box office numbers. <laughs> I used to go camping every year. <laughs> then I got margin legal issues. I can't escape. Fucking red tape. Can't cut through that with a machete. Back to work. <laughs> yep. He's even showing him. See, look. Just poking the red tape. See, can't cut it. I've been trying all day. I mean, Freddy's like, you got to use razors and just slices right through it. And then as soon as he does that, the leash gets pulled. He's like, oh, God. And again, we're back to Leatherface trying with his chainsaw. And he just can't fucking get it. And a Netflix executive is like, let me help you, son. And cuts it with a big scissors. <laughs> oh, we're just we're on fire today. <laughs> Uh, the film is remade in America, 2004's The Grudge, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar, fresh off of Buffy. It was met with mixed reviews initially, but it's since become a cult classic. A lot of people consider that one to be a fun movie. It's been a long time since I watched it. I'd like to watch it again, kind of compare. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been a while since I watched it, but I remember I, I enjoyed it enough. Again, again, you know, it was that phase when I had a big crush on her. But I remember enjoying the film itself. I just need to watch it. It's been a long ass time. Yeah. The American sequel, The Grudge 2, in uh, 2006, sees Geller briefly reprise her role and then focuses on new characters, including a change in location. We go to Chicago. It's pretty, pretty cool, I guess. Seems unnecessary. Uh, not, re- not well received, the American films in general. <laughs> no, no. After the first one, they really just. At least the first one got mixed, and after that, it was just a constant negative. American Trilogy continued with 2009's The Grudge 3, which brings the action back to Chicago, and this is pretty much the most critically reviled one. I think it was direct-to-video. Yeah, it was. It was. Back when that used to mean bad things. Uh, <laughs> the Japanese films returned to 2009 with Juan Black Ghost. Or a woman loses a child at birth and the darkness begins to grow inside of her. I guess it was a violent death, so there's a grudge in her, in her belly. Yeah, from what I know, the, the sequels, they find the flimsiest reasons to get the thing going. <laughs> I feel like you could, I mean, any screenwriter, I feel like, can come up with a decent violent death scene. Like, you'd think that wouldn't be difficult. No, you would think. 2009 had another one, Juan white ghost which follows a new character being haunted by the ghost of a young girl who resembles herself as a child and i guess we go from there i was gonna say you really about name like i think the 10 or so sequels they did damn right i am damn it i did it with hellraiser i will do it here <laughs> it does feel like that though they're just like all right let's see uh little girl kind of looks like another little girl sold write me a sequel let's do it I need a sequel to Black Ghost. Uh, White Ghost. Next was 2014's Juwan, The Beginning of the End, which follows a teacher who visits the home of a boy who hasn't been to school in a while, only to be taken by the curse, which, if you remember correctly, happened in in this movie, Juwan, The Grudge. Yes. (laughs) So now they're recycling. It's kind of amazing how, like, first they went through, like, just, like, tangential, like... Yeah, sure. Trying to get her baby. Oh, hey, this little thing fills over rage. Boom. Grudge. Now it's those one stories were used. Yeah, just write, make that a whole movie. Boom. 
That's a grudge. I, I pictured him saying that. Just right there. That's a grudge. <laughs> uh, next was 2015's Juan, The Final Curse. I doubt it. Where the teacher from the previous film's sister goes looking for her, finds a grudge instead. <laughs> Something about someone went, all right, so we got to come up with our sequel. Did we say anything about the teacher having a sister? Nope. Perfect. That's a grudge. Fucking there you go. That's a grudge. That's right a grudge. Oh my god, that is awesome. <laughs> Literally same story, but this time the sister looks. <laughs> the best part is it doesn't matter if it's British, Japanese, American. At some point, a horror franchise is going to claim it's the final one and then quickly betray that title. Yep, that has never been true ever, not once. The final is bullshit. Uh, things got really interesting in 2016 with Sadako versus Kayako, a crossover with the Ringu series in which the two ghosts of the respective franchises duke it out. Amazingly, not very well received. You'd think that would be a surefire hit. These never seem to, to work out. <laughs> well, this one doesn't. It's weird because you it's two different curses. How do you get these two different curses to interact with each other? Someone and throws also- the tape in the grudge house. Oh, okay. I bet. <laughs> Probably. But in, uh, I stand by it. I think people are unfairly hateful on Freddy vs. Jason. That that was a good goddamn movie. Yes. It was fun. I, I get the I get it. You know, they did Kane Harder extremely dirty on that film. But what we got was fun and for me well worth the damn wait. And what did you want? They gave you exactly what they like, Freddie doing his thing, Jason doing his thing, and then them duking it out at the end. Yeah. If you're upset about the, you know, dipshit teenagers you're you're watching the wrong movie because both franchises are loaded with just non-stop stream of dipshit teenagers it's like their bread and butter yeah that's what you know that's what puts murder on the table although they do like jason going home and like for some reason like his family's complaining about what he does he's like, do you know that this is what puts a roof over our head Jason's kid wants to be like a painter. He's like, no, you're going into murder just like your old man and my old man before. Yeah. Well, my, my mom, but still. It's <laughs> great. Oh. Um, finally, the most recent is the American reboot, 2020's The Grudge, largely considered the worst yet. Despite a cast that includes Andrea Riceborough, Lynn Shea, John Cho, and Demian Bashir. This one was despised by fans and critics alike, quickly fell off the radar. And not just because of COVID. Yeah, no, because it was terrible. It's definitely not because of COVID, because that was the same year we got uh, the Invisible Man reviewed, and that was a huge hit before, you know, COVID took over. So, no, that movie sucked. Especially for that cast, Jesus Christ. Was Demian Bashir or Lin Shay the, let me tell you what a grudge is, person? I think one of them was. It's kind of foggy because I really am trying to blank that movie out because it was so bad. I really hope the scene was like if you kill somebody violently and they don't go away, that's a grudge. I'm pretty sure it was Bashir. I'm pretty sure Bashir was pretty much that. <laughs> right there? That That's a grudge. I'm, I'm going to turn that into a catchphrase. Ah, <laughs> oh, So that's the grudge franchise. 
as it stands now. It's not over. They never, they're never over. <laughs> no oh, franchise has just bowed out with dignity ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, for example, you know, if you think Halloween ends this year, if you think a franchise that started in 78, it's 2022, and that this is the end. Ah, ah, you bless your heart is all I'm going to say. That one, little southern term, bless your heart. You sweet summer child. It's um, get another one. Halloween ends is the closest the Halloween franchise has gotten to Halloween, the final October or whatever the fuck. <laughs> the final Halloween. <laughs> This time, good. Michael stays home. <laughs> they break into his house and they they drag his ass into the street. They beat him after death, and he's like, "I was done." <laughs> right? He looks at him and goes, "He just starts getting real like like Phil's. He's like, does two wrongs really make a right, guys? I know what I'm doing is wrong, but you proceed to go into my house." The same thing. Who's the monster here now? Now I'm just picturing like Michael Myers and the Elephant Man being like, I am not an animal. <laughs> I'm a human being. Just like you. And you. <laughs> he just <gasps> randomly stabs someone because he can't help himself. I would love if the first time we ever hear Michael talk, he like stubs his toe and it's like, ah, god damn it. Like that's it. The entire franchise is all we ever hear. Oh my god! I would say that'd be a first, but Rob Zombie beats to the punch and does have him going die. That's right. Plus, all the times his like you know when he was a chubby little weird blonde kid. Yeah, that's his as someone that doesn't like completely hate Rob Zombie's take on Halloween, but I mean he he had Michael talk. Yeah, Bob Zombie did his. He put his stamp on the franchise. I don't know why you keep saying Bob Zombie? Did That's I miss it. something? No, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> he, like Rob Zombie's a rock star. Bob Zombie's a cartoon mm-hmm. character. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a good day. Shut up. <laughs> um, I give Jew on the Grudge an eight. It's super creepy, unforgettable horror flick stands on its own despite being the third part of a franchise it started a franchise i you know whatever things work differently in japan and uh it's a great movie i recommend you rent it because you can't buy it <laughs> yeah well hopefully we'll get a fucking you know an upgrade release one day hopefully uh i give it an eight also it if you're looking at you know if you're trying to start your journey on you know foreign horror to watch I would I would say things like this from your all the film, films you should start with. Start with these, just you know these because these were the films. You know we talk about a lot now. Obviously, with Parasite being like a breakout film, obviously because it fits Oscar attention. I would argue this was a case of you know breakout success internationally with this and like Ringu because it did get enough attention for people to go like let's try to make that for you know American audiences um and you know as much as I hate that at the same time it did bring attention to it it did lead to people wanting to check out the Japanese um originals so you know they were a case of you know that that breakout thing we're talking about with Parasite this was a case of that very much so I definitely yeah 8 out of 10 solid fucking movie great film good I'd say a good starter if you're trying to get to like foreign horror 
it is annoying that in this country we don't have a like I've discovered a awesome film from another country we I should give this a war a large release here and shine a spotlight on it it's no I gotta tweak that and make it mine but worse it's like that's the mentality it's never let's embrace this movie it's let's do it our way I hate that yeah that's why I screamed to the high heavens when I heard Michael Bay's producing a fucking raid remake so I was like it seems so safe they talked about a remake and it died and I was like yes the raid is safe and then the one human being I would never want to touch a fucking martial arts movie because he doesn't know how to do fucking anything past quick edits, quick cuts. Goes, yeah, I'm going to produce that for Netflix. I'm like, God damn it. And it's Netflix, so it's definitely going to happen because they fucking do everything they actually announce for better and for worse. Nobody can raise the dead like Michael Bay. <laughs> He's the necromancer of Hollywood. Any project that seems like it's dead in the water all he's got to do is just show some interest, and it's alive. It's it's so annoying. It's like you all you had to do was let it go. It's like it exists. It was there. John Wick was honoring all of that and the rest of martial arts cinema. It was we were good, and then you just ah, it so hurts to think about it. Well, on that somber note, that's our show. <laughs> go watch the Grudge. Yeah, Japanese. The Juan, the grudge. You know what? Watch the American remake too. Do a nice little side by side for yourself. Yeah. Do side by side comparison. Yeah, that's a grudge. Do do it. Have a grudge. Have a grudge. Not Have the twenty twenty grudge. For the love of God, avoid the twenty twenty grudge at all cost. <laughs> Unless you hate yourself, and then maybe watch it. But avoid it. Thanks for listening. This was this was a fun one. I enjoyed this. Uh, if you like the show, you know what to do. Feel free to follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. You can uh, send us a message there if you want us to check out a film, or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com for recommendations or feedback. Uh, check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and all of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. We appreciate your interest. Next week is very special. On Disney Plus next Friday, we're getting the long-awaited sequel to Hocus Pocus. Whether or not it will suck is irrelevant, as it's giving us an excuse to devote a full episode to the 1993 cult classic original Hocus Pocus. On Halloween night, three witches are resurrected by a non-believing virgin who has until sunrise to stop them from killing every child in Salem and devouring their souls. And yes, this is a kid's movie. Uh, lots of mentioning of uh, the main character being a version. Yeah, which is funny. This is so, this is such a 90s kids movie where you could say shit like that. You could have murder as your focus. You could have just, you know, dead people's body parts all over the place and totally air it on the Disney Channel. <laughs> ah, I missed that. No one bad an eye back then. Nope. So we did do a small focus on the movie as a bonus episode attached to Trick or Treat back in 2019. It was our Hocus Pocus bonus focus. Good times. Uh, But now we get to dive into production, legacy, and that delightful gateway horror flick that I don't think anyone expected to become such a pop culture staple. So Hocus Pocus is a a favorite of most of us, if not all of us, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. Oh, yeah. Hocus Pocus is great. I watch it every single year. Um, apparently no longer with my uh parents due to their 
their leanings and one of the stars expressing something publicly. Um, yeah, uh, but I digress and love watching it every single year, and it's it's a Halloween staple for me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch part two. Well, I'll, I'll if the reviews aren't horrendous, I'll watch Hocus Pocus too. I'll probably watch it. I'm a little more willing to watch stuff that's streaming, even if I hear it's bad. Especially if it's like a light movie theater weekend. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to movies anyway. Yeah, fair enough. We'll see. I mean, I, look, that's the same weekend the Rob Zombie Monsters movies come out. Movie, I said movies, movie comes out. And I'm anticipating shitty reviews on that. So I, I look, I'm just mentally preparing to may not have the best weekend. Or but who knows? Maybe I'll set my expectations so low, it'll be great that weekend. You know what I mean? I just had a flashback to Dodgeball where Vince Vaughn's like, I find if you never have a goal, or if you have a goal, you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, you are never disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I get it. If you just convince yourself, like, this is going to suck, you're already preparing for failure. So if it's even mildly good, you win. <laughs> I like it. Uh, don't miss the bizarre 2019 thriller The Fanatic on Fridays Beyond the Bad and the 1936 Oscar-winning trailblazer Come and Get It on Oscar Sunday. Till then, try and stay away from any cursed homes, but if you end up in one, just know that nobody can save you and you are probably going to die a horrible death. Might as well accept it and keep watching movies. Thank you.